Peter Thomas Fornital here. We at In The Money Media are so happy to be partnering with Maggie Wolfendale on this new podcast series. On these shows, Maggie is telling the story of the horses through the voices of the people who love them and whose lives have been changed by them. Best of all, they're being produced to benefit our friends at the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, whose mission of saving lives, both human and equine, is so important to Maggie and so important to us at the network. To make a gift to support this show and the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, go to trfinc.org slash off track. That's trfinc.org slash off track. The next voice you hear will be Maggie Wolfendale. Gray Gelding fold March 28, 2001, in Kentucky. By Rubiano, out of the mare, Sister 2, by Gallant Man. 38 starts, 6 firsts, 7 seconds, 7 thirds. Earnings, $123,395,000. Jockey Club name, Old Ironsides. This is his story, as told by his former jockey and now owner, Rosie Napravnik. here with Rosie Napravnik and not as if she needs much of an introduction, but just to give those not in the know a little bit of background. Rosie retired from racing after winning 1,878 races, over 71 million in purse earnings. She was the first female jockey to win the Kentucky Oaks and did so two times within three years, first in 2012 with Believe You Can and then 2014 with Untappable, who she also won the Breeders' Cup distaff on. But we're not here to talk about Rosie, actually. We're here to talk about Old Ironsides, a.k.a. Sugar. But Rosie, I first kind of want to get and lay the groundwork for uh, Sugar's story with what laid the groundwork with you as a child in getting involved with horses and thoroughbreds. I know that your mother, Cindy, she was a trainer, an event, inventing instructor. You did Pony Club, I'm sure, since the, the time you could walk and started showing when you were four. So what, from that point, when you started showing when you were four until you became a jockey when you were, what, 16? 17. Where did, thorough, 17, where did thoroughbreds come into the picture? So um, when I was uh, actually in Pony Club and I was seven years old, uh, we did uh, a Pony Club event called a team chase. And a team chase is a timed event where um, you'll race in pairs with your teammate. And, um, and 
So you'll just race a course with your teammate and then they time you and then the fastest time is the winning pair. So uh, we did that through Pony Club and that was pretty much the start of me being completely hooked um, with racing. And so it was at that point that I decided that I wanted to be a jockey. And, um, and then I sort of worked toward that goal for the rest, <laughs> you know, the rest was history. Um, but I got my first thoroughbred. Uh, my mother actually had um, an off-track thoroughbred uh, that she had gotten when she was 14. And at that point in my life, he was like her lesson horse. He was older and, you know, he was her beginner's learning horse. So that was actually the first off-track thoroughbred I ever knew. Um, and then uh, a student of hers got um, a thoroughbred pony, a, a horse off the track who didn't grow. And um, we uh, th- we had acquired this horse for the student as a racing pony um, since we had gotten into competitive pony racing. Uh, and um, when that student, I think, um, kind of, became uninterested. Uh, my mother had me riding the pony to kind of help retrain it. And it was a little bit of a, a troublesome case, um, more difficult, uh, pony to train, especially if you're talking for kids. Um, so I, I had that experience and then, um, I got my first thoroughbred, uh, to race in the junior, um, in the junior races. So that was, uh, that was how I got to my first thoroughbred and then (laughs) the rest is history. So, uh, you know, 10,000 thoroughbreds later, here we are. (laughs) Is that how much you think you've ridden? I think I've ridden about 10,000 races. So there's probably a lot more thoroughbreds I've ridden than that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's incredible. That's a huge number, but you know, there's always one special in those 10,000, and that would be your sugar. Jockey Club name, Old Ironsides. Yeah. He is, let's start with him. He first began racing as a two-year-old late in his two-year-old season, 2003, but you didn't come to ride him until he was coming off of a long layoff as a five-year-old, well, late five-year-old for Ferris Allen. Had yeah. you been preparing him off of that year and a half layoff? So, um, so I had been riding regularly for Ferris and, um, I was just in, I was in his barn most mornings breezing something, one or, you know, one of the horses or a couple of the horses, you know, that was kind of like our regular routine. That was probably breeze one or two or three for him every morning. And so, um, one morning I, there was just this beautiful, dappled gray horse that I had the pleasure of getting on. And he just, you know, he was just there one day and I breezed him that one time. And I, I absolutely fell in love with the horse by the time I made it to the racetrack. I mean, as far as getting on him, he was just another horse that came around the shed row for me to breeze. But of course, you know, his looks did not, um, his looks demanded the extra attention. And then by the time we walked to the racetrack, I was just in love with him and um, he was just, it, it was that little time. It was that little time. I mean, it was that like random and that's, you know, just how it happens. Right. So um, he was just a really old soul and um, he had the fantastic confirmation, a great way of moving. And um, so I remember like jogging back on the racetrack on the outside of the racetrack to warm up. 
And, you know, he just had this perfect, lovely headset. You know, I could have jogged him on the buckle around to the eighth pole where we turn around um, to gallop, you know, toward the start of the breeze. And so I turned around to gallop him to, you know, get to our breeze. And I had this nice long rain because he was just so classy and wonderful. And all of a sudden I was like, oh no, he's super strong. (laughs) So I, so that, so I had to like grab a hold of him and I got him to like the eighth pole before, or the 16th pole before I was supposed to start my breeze is when we actually started the breeze. (laughs) So, and then every other time I breezed him after that, I was then prepared that he was kind of a tougher gallop, but every time I could really only get him to the 16th pole before I was supposed to start breezing. And that's when we would start breezing. Um, So it's just kind of like a funny little story about him in the morning. But then I went on to ride, um, to ride him in uh, a few races. And I honestly would have to look back at the record to see if I'd ever won on him for Ferris. I know that I won on him for uh, twice and, and I rode him for several different people, uh, well, Laurel and Delaware. I have his full lifetime PPs right in front of me. You're right. You went on him twice, once for Ferris and once for actually Scott Lake. Yeah. Um, and Ferris actually claimed him back from Scott, um, from that win. So, and then you rode him for a, a handful of seconds and thirds as well. Yeah. We, yeah, he was always kind of like, you know, in the money there, but he coming off that layoff, he had had, um, and I knew this at the time that he had had a consular fracture in front and at some point behind as well, like two different times in his career, he had had consulars and I don't even know which one it was that he was coming back from. I don't think they happened at the same time. Um, so I knew that about him and he was always a super sound horse. Um, but he kind of, you know, like a lot of horses do when they come back off of a layoff or, or an injury, you know, they're just not quite as fast. So he he was bred to be, he was cut out to be kind of a nice horse, but he, he went down the claiming ranks. And so when he ended up at the $5,000 level, he was really competitive. So he was claimed a lot. Um, and another one of the trainers that I wrote him for was Kira McGee. And they fell in love with him too. And so, um, you know, everybody that was around the horse really liked him. And, uh, so, uh, he was claimed away from Curon and, (laughs) um, you know, months later I actually followed the horse. I mean, I have had a gazillion favorite horses on the racetrack, but there was something about this horse that made me put him in a virtual stable. And he's probably the first horse that I ever had in a virtual stable. So I followed him. Um, he was playing my mud gill actually. And so, um, you know, I really wanted to keep track of him. And they, they took him to Suffolk and raised him up to like $12,000 and he ran last. Then he ran for 10 and then he ran last and he ran for eight and he ran bad. And then finally they brought him back down to Philly and ran him for five. And I had somebody claim him for me just to retire. And, um, it was funny cause I saw Kieran in the paddock, um, at Delaware, like maybe a couple of weeks after that. And, um, he said, Hey, you know, we're going to claim that old Ironsides back to retire him. And I said, it's too late. I already did it. Stop. (laughs) It was really funny. Yeah. And, um, and there was one point, uh, since I owned him, um, where I can't remember where I was going. May have been like the first year I was at 
I can't remember where I was. Oh, it was when I was in New York. That's when it was, when I was riding an aqueduct. And um, I, for some reason, I I asked them, I said, do you want to take him for the winter? Because I'm not going to be able to ride him. And I know you guys love him. And so they actually took him to their farm for a, little, for a winter and kept him for me um, while I was riding in New York. Um, and then he came back to me after that. And um, I, I took him to my mom's farm initially because she was she had a boarding facility at the time in Moncton, Maryland. And she trains um, event horses and coaches eventing riders. And she's done that my whole life. Um, so I, I just sent him down to her and I said, you know, you retrain him for eventing, use him for your students, use him, you know, for whatever you want. I just want to come down like once a month when I have the chance and go cross country schooling, <laughs> you know, and it was just, yeah, this of- was from New York. Were you still yeah. in New York at that time? Yep. Yeah. When I was in New York. Yeah. So, so we did that. And then, um, when Joe and I started dating and he was an assistant trainer, um, you know, they always had a racetrack pony. And so at one point I was like, well, I really want to be able to spend more time with the horse. What if we brought him in to be a pony and then I could at least see him all the time and, you know, I can ride him on the track if I have extra time or something. So we did that and he was a pony for a couple of years. Um, and he was a fantastic pony too. So sugar as an OTTB supersedes your relationship with Joe. Basically, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he does. Sugar and yeah, sugar definitely supersedes my relationship with Joe. He's been a huge part of my life. Now, how did he adapt considering he was off the track, kind of living the farm, eventing life, but you brought him back to the track? How did he adapt to being a stable pony? Um, he was he was like your typical any thoroughbred that you bring to the track. I mean, he was like, you know, oh, I'm back at the track, but he settled right in and he had had, you know, some schooling of, you know, really low level basic dressage training. So he knows how to move off the leg. And that makes it a lot easier when you're trying to train a pony rather than just going, you know, switching the saddle from exercise saddle to Western saddle. So but he was an excellent pony, he had a great attitude. He was like always had his ears pricked. And of course, he always had compliments on how beautiful he is. Um, but he was great. And Joe used him for a couple of years um, until I finally, I guess, missed eventing so much that I decided to board him. And like, I think it was when Joe and I were geographically split up. So he would go straight from like fairgrounds to Belmont, I think. And I was in Kentucky for a couple of months. And so I was just there by myself. And I, so I had all, you know, extra time. And I was like, let me, I'm going to board him at a boarding place and, and just, you know, start riding him for fun. And my career was at the point where like I had a, you know, I wasn't quite as demanding in the mornings. Um, so I was able to get out there and, and on the dark days. And, um, and that's, you know, that maybe that was the start of my retirement. I don't know. <laughs> you actually, in a roundabout sort of way, or the one who introduced me to the place that you kept him on Long Island. Um, that was Thomas. School. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of the places. Yeah, he jumped around with me as I moved <laughs> from track to track. <laughs> yeah, so he's been everywhere. Um, Did, so considering you moved around a lot, I don't know, in my experience, I find that when you move them around a lot, they don't tend to do as well. But is sugar just kind of an exception to the rule? Um. I guess so. But also, you know, racehorses are used to moving around a lot too. Like he was an older horse. um, And when we first got him, he was the type where, so he was seven. It was like the late part of his seven-year-old 
year when we when we claimed him. And when I brought him to my mom's farm, like he was the type where he'd rather be in a stall than out. Like he was a little rough <laughs> with everyone. Uh-huh. We actually had his testosterone levels tested to see, make sure there wasn't like an ascended testicle that we were missing because he was a little bit studdish. Um, wow. Yeah. Did so he still think just, about it as a 20 year old? What's that? Does he still think about uh, some studly duties as a 20 year old now? You know what? When, um, when Kiron had him, his wife told me that he actually would mount their mares that he was turned out with. <laughs> and, <laughs> but, but he's, I don't, I haven't turned him out with a mare in a really long time, but like I've had him like, you know, when we're riding with another, you know, with another mare and like holding them together and he will like lick them. Like he's like a very gentle lover. Like he loves oh. mares and I... <laughs> He's Rico Suave. Yes, brilliant. <laughs> he knows how good looking he is. He basically he does. But even at twenty, like he's, um, and he actually had colic surgery last year. Uh, when he at the end of his eighteen-year-old year, he did. Yeah, um, but he's come back from that, and he's doing fabulous. But I, I mean, uh, to get back to your question, was he was he good at moving around? I mean, I think he moved around so much with. Um, you know, racing and then as a pony he moved around. Um, he has always been a little bit on the lighter side, like when you know, you can tell when you're doing more with him as far as competition or moving around. But he as far as his, his attitude, he's the same every day of his life and it's the most wonderful attitude. Oh, that's amazing. And what is it that you that first day you breezed him, what is it about that attitude that just makes him such a good show horse or pony. And I mean, is it just because he's up for anything? Well, I don't know if it was that, you know, because like in that time of my career, I was not at all focused on doing things off track thoroughbred. And off track thoroughbred was not a big thing even then, which was now like 12 years ago. I mean, it was the industry, the off track thoroughbred industry was like not really a big thing yet. Um, so it wasn't even on the forefront of my mind of training an off-track thoroughbred. It was just, I love this horse. I haven't had a horse of my own in so long. I'm going to just do this. Um, but on the track, he was cool because he was just chill and did his job and always had his ears forward and was happy to do whatever was asked of him. Yes. But then it was when he was with my mom And I would come down, like I said, maybe once a month or periodically. And I, so I would see like big leaps in his progress of retraining. But what I would see too is like his absolute desire to please. You know, um, he was down for anything. And he's the type of horse where he's not extremely bold but he's very brave. Like, so there are some horses, some off track thoroughbreds who, you know, you take them out on their first ride and they're walking right through water and they're jumping up banks and they're going through ditches and it's no big deal. And they barely notice that they're doing it. And that's what I consider a bold horse, like a horse that doesn't really question things. They just go for it. Then you have a brave horse. Who's a horse that's like, Whoa, what is this? But when the rider asks him to do it, they're okay, like, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to do it even though it's scary. And so that's sugar. Like, he's always been that kind of brave horse that's going to stick with you. As long as you're committed, he'll be committed. Um, So 
which created a really cool relationship um, once we started competing and like going cross country and seeing new things on cross country. And he was really, um, my mom had trained him to a very low level before I took him back as a pony horse. Um, so he had like that initial training, but it, he didn't go very far. And then, you know, then he had years removed from it at the track ponying. And then I brought him back to it and I trained him by myself, basically. I mean, I had a few lessons, but I did most of the training myself, which um, I wish I knew then what I know now. <laughs> Poor sugar. <Amen>. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, and he was, but like, it, he was the very perfect horse for me to do it by myself and make all the mistakes and you know, he's very forgiving and very willing. And, you know, he's like the unruinable horse. <laughs> I love a quote that I borrowed or, or written, uh, wrote down from your website. It says that sugar sh- showed you the incredible heart that a racehorse possesses beyond the racetrack and their willingness and eagerness to learn new things. And I think, you know, you just summed it up with that story there. But getting back to you eventing him and showing him, What's been your biggest accomplishment as a team together? Um, well, Sugar and I, um, well, we've done lots together. <laughs> but um, he he was, the, so when I was a kid and I was eventing, um, I, I guess from the time I, I don't know how young I would have been when I started eventing, but I was quite young. Um, and then for quite a few years, I was, doing the pony racing and eventing at the same time. And when I was 12 was when I did my very last event as a child, um, before I focused completely and solely on racing. And, um, and so I was 12 years old and I did a training level event, which is jumping like three foot three. And so that was my last event. So when I got back into eventing, um, in 2014, um, I guess I think it was, yeah, it was, it was before I retired in 2014 was, I think my first event or maybe it was the year before. I can't remember. Anyway. Um, uh, I took, I took sugar, uh, a year, a year later after I started with him again, um, we did our first recognized training level event. And so he was, you know, kind of the first horse that I rode training and also the first horse I produced to training. Um, so that, that I would say would probably be, you know, one of our biggest accomplishments, accomplishments as a team. Um, and then we did the, uh, the Briar Fest um, a couple of years ago, which was super fun. And um, we did three days of demos. And so each day um, I did a different demo where I would, I would ride him into the arena um, dressed as a jockey and him dressed as a racehorse and gallop around and they would talk about sugar. And then I would ride out and we did like a 30 second tack change. And the first day I came in, in Western tack and was ponying, uh, my son's Shetland pony. <laughs> oh my gosh, who was tacked up like a racehorse. And oh. the second day I came in, um, with sugar dressed in dressage tack and we did dressage. And then the third day we came in and jumped. So it was super fun and it was a great way to show like his versatility and the versatility of an off track thoroughbred. Um, so that was another really cool thing that we did, but 
Well, and out of that, you Sugar has a briar, doesn't he? He does. Yep. He has his own briar model. And so he is literally uh, immortalized. He is immortalized and he is literally the every little girl's dream. That is my horse. And he has his own briar. Like I remember when I was a kid and I wanted I wanted my 12 hand pony to get a briar model. And so but Sugar is like still my 12 hand pony. Like I love him so much. So Sugar has made more than just a few dreams come true. Absolutely. And now, now I guess I could also add to greatest accomplishments. Um, now I've, um, I've actually built an indoor arena at our farm and um, opened up to teaching lessons. And he is my number one lesson horse. So he's, you know, he uh, has taken me down the road of teaching as well, because I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't have the right horse. Is that something that you've always thought that you wanted to do? No. Is- be an instructor. No, no, um, no. I uh, I really, you know, wanted to focus more on the horses and the training and stuff. And like a lot of people, I think in my position, teach for a living. Um, like you know, with the kind of operation that I have, and you know, they teach lessons, and that's how they kind of pay bills and stuff. For me, I've always done like um, gotten you know a lot of that from the racehorse rehabs. Um, so I've been able to get by without teaching. Um, and I didn't really want to get into that. Um, you know, it's just having to deal with people and horses is different. So, um, I was mainly just focusing on the horses. Um, but, uh, through people coming to visit my farm and try horses to buy, um, from my sales program, I started getting some really incredible feedback about my coaching, you know, when a, when a junior or an amateur would come to try a horse and they didn't have their trainer with them, naturally I would just end up coaching them through the ride because I know the horse and, you know, I know how the horse has learned and yada, yada. So um, I just started getting back some really great feedback. And so I thought about it and I was, you know, I had planned to build the indoor anyway for the training aspect. So um, now that I have that facility, um, I've, I've welcomed the, uh, the students and it's been going really great and it's really fun. Have you gotten any requests for teaching just because it's you and sugar? Um, I don't, I don't know about that, but I'm, I know that there are, uh, I don't know if that many, actually, you know, it's funny. I was gonna say, I don't know that many people know that he's a briar horse, but, um, I was, I was schooling, sorry, I had a student this summer who we were off property at another farm schooling cross country and she was on sugar and I was on some, you know, one of my little baby sale horses. And uh, there was another group of riders that was there doing the same thing, schooling. And they trotted past us in the field. We were actually schooling in the water complex and they trotted past us and, the, and one of them said, I think I have a briar of that horse. No. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. Like my life is fulfilled. People just recognize sugar and they have his briar horse. Like it's incredible. He deserves that is, that is really cool to recognize him out in the field. Yeah. In the, I mean, to recognize him in the middle of a cross country field. It could have been any horse. And it was right. so wow, that's, that's really cool. Thing. Yeah. Um 
Now, for those not familiar with cross country, you mentioned getting him up to training level. Just briefly talk a little bit about the levels of eventing and two, at training level, what is expected of you and the horse? So at training level, um, you're basically getting into like first level dressage, which is, um, <laughs> this, this could be a long action. I know it's a long, it, it, you're doing some, what, some ex- extension, some lengthening of your trot. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty basic still. Um, I think you can do a leg yield in training level eventing. Cause I think I did that in the test when I was a kid. Um, but, uh, lengthening your stride in the trot, um, leg yielding, which is, uh, your horse is moving laterally as it's moving forward. Um, uh, stretching. So it's, you know, it dressage is all about the balance of the horse and the shape of the horse. And that takes a long time to get, um, you know, the horse to be able to carry himself. And so when I think about dressage for horses, I always think this, like, it's kind of like Pilates, first of all, for them. So, you know, when, when we as humans decide we're going to go work out or go to a Pilates class or go for a run or do whatever, that we're exercising, strength training, lifting weights, whatever it is, you know, we motivate ourselves that we're going to go do this. And then we go and, you know, we have a goal and we do our best to whatever, meet that goal. For horses, they do not wake up and say, hey, I want to go do Pilates today. And so you have to be a real partnership to be able to convince them that this is what they want to do that day. Because it really is all about strengthening their bodies. And they have, you know, you have to really have a clear communication about what you want, Um and it's, you know, it's a part where with young horses, it, they can get really frustrated if they don't understand it. What would kill me about, because I did a lot of dressage back in my day as well, is that I would watch my horse do a beautiful lengthening <laughs> and almost a passage type of movement out in the field. Yeah. And then ask him to do it in the ring. And he'd be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So, yeah. so know. you know, it's all us getting in their way, just like always. Right. Um, right. <laughs> so anyway, the dressage at training level is pretty basic, um, but it still takes from the racetrack to training level. It takes a lot of work to get there. Um, a lot of focus for the horse and rider and strengthening. Um, cross country, uh, I guess this might be sort of an unpopular opinion, but to me, cross country is the easy phase. But especially when you're on a thoroughbred who, you know, is bred to run. And so when you're looking for a cross country horse, you're looking for that horse that is bold, brave, and has a great gallop, an efficient gallop. Um, and so you know, obviously sugar possesses all of those. (laughs) Um, And so you're jumping, I think the maximum height is three foot three. I can't remember what the maximum width is. Um, But there, there are specific measurements. Um, But it's, it's kind of, it's the first level where they realize a thoroughbred. It's the first level where the thoroughbred really has to think at all. Um, Below this level, um, you know, they're at a very, well, I guess this would be training level is the first level where they can go their natural pace below this level. You're kind of keeping them below their natural pace, a little bit slower than their natural pace. Um, The jumps are all, you know, mostly individual jumps um, and unrelated questions. Um, 
And when I say unrelated questions, I mean, uh, you know, two jumps that go together that are either on a turn or just in a succession with a certain amount of measured strides in between. Um, so at training levels, like when the first time you can let, I say the first time you can let them gallop <laughs> and then in the next level up will be the first time you can ask them to gallop. <laughs> yeah. Um, send, send them like you would at the racetrack. <laughs> yeah. Well, not, not even quite, but just, yeah, it's just asking a little. Well, those hills will slow them down a bit. Yeah. <laughs> will balance out your pace. Yeah. 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 And then there's there's stadium jumping, there's show jumping. And then show jumping, yeah, show jumping, um, same height, uh, three foot three, and then you're getting a little bit more technical with um, combinations of jumps that are set with a, me- a, a certain amount of strides measured. So you might have like a combination where you jump, you jump a jump, take one stride, jump another jump, take two strides and jump another jump. And that's, um, you know, that would be like a triple combination, one stride to two stride. Um, you can have uh, all different kinds of technical things like that. Um, but still, you know, kind of the first time they're seeing some of that technicality. Now, you have participated in the thoroughbred um, makeover that the retired racehorse challenge, uh, challenge, and you've won in your respective um, disciplines in eventing as well. Are you remiss though that you didn't have sugar or what didn't exist when sugar first retired? Oh, well, I mean, you know, everything was different then and I probably wouldn't have been able to do it back then. Although maybe if the RRP did exist and the uh, makeover existed, then I would have done it anyway. (laughs) But um, he would have been, you know, prime candidate to, to do the makeover. And, um, I'm sure he would have been competitive. Absolutely. Well, so is sugar just living at your farm, which is in Simpsonville, Kentucky? And is so, and is he just doing kind of lessons and, and being a tremendous teacher? He is. And so he lives what I like to call out in the wild. We have a, we have a large, um, like eight acre field that, um, is filled with thoroughbreds that have been in our lives. There's a couple of retired pony horses of Joe's there's, um, sugar and there's Aztec brave who I actually competed in the 2017 makeover. And that was a horse of Joe's, um, that was retired. Was he a stakes winner? He is. Yes. He yeah. ran, you are probably remembering when he ran in New York. Although yeah. I think he was only second in New York. Like every race he I can't remember. Maybe he won a stake in New York. I guess if you remember. I know he won a stake somewhere. If you remember, he probably won a stake in New York. But I know he, if you didn't win, he was like, no, I'm pretty sure he won a stake in New York. But he was, he's like a 15 three hand horse that. In all of his win pictures, he's winning by a nose, and the other horses are like a foot taller than he is. <laughs> oh, I love it! So he was one of Joe's favorites, and um, uh, he was owned by uh, Brad and Misty Grady, who owned Gerben. And so, since he was one of Joe's favorites, they gifted him to us when he retired. And so, I took him to the makeover, and he was actually the very first horse that I trained, you know, from square one to the makeover. So, um, so he's out there with Sugar. And they live out outside 24-7. They have no blankets on. They have a shed. They have water. They have a round bale. And they get fed twice a day. And they're all living their best lives. And um, so Sugar and Aztec are my lesson horses. 
And um, Sugar is great because you can put any rider on him. He's 20 years old and he can, you know, trot around. Um, he can spook. So it's he's not really a type of horse that I would put like a small child on. Um, but a beginner rider, you know, someone that has decent balance and that sort of thing. Um, he can absolutely do beginners. Um, and so he, but he, like, if he has beginner on, he's going to be very careful and trot very slow. And, and then if you put, you know, a rider on that's jumping novice, like one level below training, you know, that's jumping two, six or two, nine, he will act like he's five years old and, you know, go jumping around this course. (laughs) Like it's nobody's business. So he's just, he's, he's doing great. And it was, it was the year. So I compete last year. I competed him was the year that I also uh, trained Aztec Brave for the makeover. And that's when I kind of started, um, you know, taking horses from the racetrack and retraining. And so I had two young horses to train for the 2018 makeover and I thought, well, Sugar and I are ready to either move up to the le- next level or or not. And so I decided that, you know, his soundness, you know, he did not only did he have those two condylar fractures, he also has still has a chip in his left front ankle, um, an existing chip that was not a candidate for uh, to be removed. And he had an old suspensory. So with the list of injuries and his age kind of climbing, I decided, you know what, let me just let him have the lower level career and I can lease him out. And, you know, that's what I did at that point. That was before I had students. So now, um, you know, he gets to teach those students and I, and, you know, it's just so fun when people get to ride him and, or go cross country for the first time. I had this working student, this year who, um, she was, you know, very beginner when we started and, you know, she's been on the lunge line, um, you know, cantering in a circle with no stirrups and no reins on sugar. And then actually more recently, she was jumping through a line of gymnastics with no hands, um, you know, with her arms out to the side, which is an exercise that we do to kind of help the rider, you know, gain more balance. And so sugar's just like, he's that guy. (laughs) he's the teacher now. But when I, when I watch people ride him, especially jumping, it makes me miss riding him. Like he's still got that same energy that he had when I was competing him. So it's really, it's really fun to watch him. And he, he, he enjoys it so much that he doesn't notice the difference, whether the jumps are 12 inches or three and a half feet. Like he's having just as much fun. (laughs) So that's what I love about him doing, you know, helping these beginners. Is that a trait unique to him in his ability to recognize who's on his back and adapt to them? Or do you find that with other horses too? Um, he's definitely a special soul in that, in that regard, for sure. Uh, you know, there, there are some horses that are that way and they are, you know, they are the gems. Do you have a wind picture hanging in your house of when you rode him? Um, <laughs> I actually don't, but I do have the win picture. And his last win was on my birthday in 2008. And I actually. Oh my gosh, it was. I'm looking at that. Yeah. I have that picture in New Orleans, in our house in New Orleans, and I need to hang it up. I do. 
That's really cool that 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 was on your birthday too. Yeah. And I was just looking through all of his PPs and it brought back a flashback of of several horses my dad trained too that I absolutely love. (laughs) In all the in the races, yeah, probably a few I know. Yep. Um there was one quick punch that he finished second to. That was before you started riding for that long layoff. I was uh, riding quick punch. (laughs) What's that? I said I was probably riding quick punch in that race. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. I was like, if Rosie wasn't on him, then she had to be on quick punch. Um, But Rosie, I just want to ask you a few quick fire questions, just, just kind of randoms about sugar. If he had a theme song, what would it be? Um, Oh God, that is, hmm. That's a tough one. Um, so when when I did the demos <laughs> yeah. at Firefest, during the time when I um, when I would take him out of the arena and do the tack change, I had them play a song um, just to kind of entertain while I was leaving the arena. Um, and it was right. the, uh, I don't know if it was Adam Levine or Maroon 5, but it's like, sugar, yes, please. So when, when you say that, that's the song that comes to mind. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. Now, as far as his taste buds are concerned, is he a horse that, you know, prefers the healthy snacks, the carrots and apples, or is he a sugar and peppermints kind of guy? Um. I would say he would probably be everything. I would no, I'd I'd say he's kind of a bit of a food snob and like um not that he won't eat sweets, but like they better just be high quality. Got it. (laughs) So none of those uh those cheap you know, puffy mints or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, Um, a little bit of a food snob. Yeah, some caviar with his uh, with his yeah, carrots. up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, what would his biggest? What does he like most about his job now, or just in general? What's his favorite thing to do? Uh, his favorite thing to do is go cross country, whether it's with me or a student or. Doesn't matter who, he loves to go cross country. That is absolutely his favorite thing to do. Or really any jumping at all. But I would say galloping cross country and jumping is his thing. He loves it. What does he like to do least? Um, there's Don't no- say just no, he's No, because he's not like, he's not that horse that hates dressage and can't, you know, doesn't have the patience for it. He's, that's more like me. <laughs> But, um, no, he's not resentful toward dressage. Um, what does he not like doing? I mean, I don't know. The horse literally always has his ears up. I love that. I know. Like, I can't even think of something he doesn't wouldn't like doing. That's absolutely fine. That speaks of he, what sugar is. Exactly. Who he is. He is just, he's just the greatest. <laughs> well, okay. So – what is the most important or valuable thing that sugar has taught you throughout your years together? Hmm. Um, 
I mean, he is just really the epitome of like the heart that a horse has and how they will just, they want to do for you. Um, so he was like, that was, it was, it was sugar when my mom was training him and I was coming down, you know, periodically to ride him that just showed me what, what good souls they have, like what, how much they want to please. And they're just, they're always giving. And so that's something that I always keep in mind with any of the horses that I retrain is like, none of them ask for anything, you know? Um, and so he's definitely, you know, that type of horse. I mean, they're like, I guess what I'm trying to say is they're all that type of horse. None of them ask us to train them for eventing or to train them for racing. And they are just such good souls to just do what we ask. And that is, that is what inspired me to actually train off track thoroughbreds. It was seeing that in sugar that inspired my second career, hundred percent. That's really cool. Now, do you find it hard not to compare every other horse that you've had off the track to him? Or is it kind of nice to have that basis to uh, judge all of your other projects? Um, You know what? I have not compared, like, it's not something that I would normally do is like compare them to sugar because I don't know, like horses are just all very different when they come off the track. But I recently got, um, I bought an 11 year old horse from Mountaineer Park who has raced 107 times. Wow. And I took him on his first ride last week and he was the very first horse I have compared to Sugar because of that, that just sweet, sweet soul. That's really cool. And so they are, yeah, they're they're like in their own category, but yeah, this is the, so there's only been one other horse and I don't even know him that well. So it's like, just was my initial like, Hmm, but, um, but yeah, he's, he's definitely a little bit different in that way. They don't all hit me that way. Like for example, my, my current competition horse, which is Sanamo, mm-hmm. Mo, he's like, Sanimo is like the most hilarious horse that I've ever known. Like he's very funny in like a dry way. And I've never Uh heard a horse that's funny before, but like absolutely no, none of the same qualities as sugar. Like they're just completely different. And so I think, I think sugar's type is just very unique in the fact of how much, how sweet he is, which is why I named him sugar by the way. There you go. That was going to be my next question. Well, Um, that and uh, I mean, everybody, of course, when when I say his name, Sugar, everyone thinks he's a mare, but I actually galloped, I galloped a gelding uh, for Jack Fisher when I was 14 and his name was Spoonful of Sugar and he was a beautiful dappled gray. And that's actually where that, why, what made me think of the name Sugar, but then, then it happened to be perfect because he's so sweet. Just fits in. Yeah. Well, now, I mean, you've already used sweet to describe him, so I'm not going to allow you to use that word. But can you sum up sugar in three words? Um, these are tough questions, Maggie. Sorry. You have really put me on the spot quite a few times. Um, 
Willing to please. I don't know. There you go. That's perfect. I love it. That's perfect. Well, Rosie, thank you so much for your time. I'm I hope it was easy and and fun for you just to talk about sugar. It is fun. I have I mean, I'm I've got so many young, exciting horses going through the program all the time that I don't spend all the time talking about sugar anymore, but he's definitely worthy. Absolutely. He even has a briar horse made after him. Rosie, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Maggie. 